Our Father God, we pray right now for every life that's going to be listening to this. We bind the enemy away right now. Any distractions, any hindrance, any lies. As I'm dealing with some spiritual warfare, things like that. We just bind it right now in Jesus' name. We declare freedom. We declare breakthrough in every life. And Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit coming in power and transforming lives in Jesus' name. All right, I'm dealing with part two and the seductions of Satan. Last week I dealt with fallen Babylon. This week I'm dealing with come out of Babylon, my people. Okay. Dealing a lot with the end times, dealing with the book of Revelation. Some spiritual warfare, some deliverance. Of course, we really haven't gotten much into that yet. Just a little bit. I'm going to take my time through this series. And make sure we cover everything that needs to be covered. By the end of this, I believe that people are going to walk in a lot of freedom. Whenever I was, we were praying a couple weeks ago. And Brianna was, well everybody was stretching their hands toward me. Praying for me about this series before I started it. And Brianna had seen a vision and she saw that people were listening to the sermon. But some people had like a cement that was poured over them. And it had hardened And so they were just kind of sitting there in this shell. But there was like a chisel that was over them. And as the word of God was being preached, that chisel was breaking off the cement off people. So it was cracking it and people were getting set free. And I really believe that's a a perfect depiction of what God's wanting to do. So as I get into this, the very beginning, let me just give you some things like I did last week. Satan tries to control people's lives. Satan always operates through control. God always operates through giving people a free will. Satan always controls. He's a control freak. He he controls everything that he can. And the way that Satan controls people's lives primarily is through pride and fear and rebellion. Pride being that somebody is not teachable. How many knows when somebody is prideful, they're not teachable? They're difficult. They have a hard heart. You can't hardly tell them anything. They're stubborn. Satan controls, controls people not only through pride, but also through fear. Fear is a horrible thing. The Bible says that fear is a spirit. Talking about a demon spirit. And uh, when Paul wrote Timothy, he said that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So God calls fear a spirit, and it's a tormenting thing. The Bible says fear has torment. People that live a fearful life live a tormented life. It's very sad. Because fear is something that is a, is a tremendous bondage in many people's lives. They worry about everything. They live a fearful life, and out of fear they control everything around them. And that is a bondage of demon spirits. And God wants to set people free from that. Another way that Satan attacks people's lives is not only through pride and through fear, but he tries to control people through rebellion. And we're living in a time, in these last days, the Bible said there would be great rebellion. Great rebellion. And rebellion, a lot of people don't even realize this, because all you've known is the, the time that you've been here on this world is all that you know. But if you'll talk to people that are a lot older than you and really talk about the way things used to be years ago, 
you'd be surprised how different it is today than it was 50 years ago in this nation. It's a completely different world. Completely. There was a time in this nation not that long ago that rebellion was not anything like it is now. But now you live in a time where men are, that are supposed to be the husbands of the home are rebelling from their headship role. And they're not stepping up and leading. Now you're living in a time where wives just will not submit to their husbands for anything. You're living in a time where, where children do not honor and obey and respect their parents. And it's the last days. It's rebellion. And one of the greatest, listen to me, rebellion, if, if you, I always say this to make the point. But if you want to be more and more like the devil, just get more and more prideful and rebellious. Amen. Now look, that deserved an amen. I can, all right. If you want to be more and more like Satan, the Bible says Satan was prideful and rebellious. The more prideful you are and the more rebellious you are, the more like Satan you are. When Jesus came, Jesus was a humble servant that lived a righteous life. Amen? There's three areas where Satan tries to get into people's lives. Jesus said that, that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Now, a gate is an opening. It's like to my backyard, there's a gate. That's the way in. A gate of hell is an opening in somebody's life for hell to move in. The gates of hell have to do with unforgiveness, number one. Number two would be personal sin. And number three is generational sin. Because the sins of your ancestors do affect you. And so as you forgive others, as you repent of your sin, and as you confess the sins of your ancestors, there's freedom in that. Then the other thing I want to talk about, these are areas that Satan also tries to gain control in people's lives, is through lust, ungodly anger, hatred, idolatry, and witchcraft. Let me say that again. Satan wants to get in people's lives through lust, ungodly anger, hatred, idolatry, and witchcraft. The reason why God put this series on my heart is because God is wanting to see people set free in these last days. And when Jesus comes, there was a man that I knew that was, actually he was, he was quite elderly, he'd been pastoring for years, and he had, he had hit something like a 60th birthday, he was telling me this, and he was spent time with the Lord, and he asked the Lord, he said, you know, I've served you all these years, I mean, the guy had been pastoring literally for like, at the time he was talking to me, he was in his 70s or 80s, he had been pastoring for about 50 years. And so as... He was there and he was about 60 years old or something to that effect. He was asking the Lord, I want to surrender my life to you in a new way. I want you to do something new in my life. And the Lord spoke to him and said this. He said something to the effect of I'm calling you into a deliverance ministry. And I want to set my people free because I'm about to come. And God's power hit him. He fell out under the power. This was just him and the Lord by himself. And God began to teach him about the deliverance ministry. And then he started a new phase of his ministry through that. But I believe when Jesus comes, I believe with all my heart. See, the anointing is what destroys the yoke. 
Amen. And Satan tries to put yokes on people. And a lot of people are yoked and they don't even know it. They feel the effects of it, but they don't even know what's going on in their life. They're yoked to the enemy's kingdom in many ways. But the anointing, Isaiah talks about the anointing is what destroys the yoke of bondage. And in these last days, God is going to pour out His Spirit and He's going to increase the anointing and He's going to destroy every work of the devil. And I believe that when Jesus comes, He's coming back for people that are living holy, that are pure, and are free. They're free. They're free from all this satanic garbage that's out there. They have not gone after the lust and the, and the sexual perversions. They're not wrapped up in the occult. They're not, they don't have idols. They're not sucked into all this stuff. They're living holy. And Jesus has set them free. They're free. And I believe with all my heart that's what's happening. God is setting his people free and he's bringing revival to empower us in these last days. All right. I'm going to talk about Babylon. Pick up where I left off last week. Okay, in Bible prophecy, Daniel Revelation, God speaks a lot of symbolism. You've got to learn the symbolism. I really recommend, there's a book I've got here I was using today just to refresh my memory. But Dr. Cho wrote this. It's called The Apocalyptic Prophecy. It's very powerful. It's easy to read. If you want to learn about the end times, you can ask me about this later. It's a good book. It'll help you. But in Bible symbolism, it describes Satan's kingdom as Babylon. And I, I talked about Babylon last week. It's, it's Physically speaking, it's where the, the Garden of Eden used to be, which is modern-day Iraq, and, and where the Tower of Babel was. It's a place of great rebellion. But now in these last days, Babylon is, is Satan's kingdom. And it's a spiritual Babylon, and it's a secular physical Babylon. The spiritual Babylon has to do with principalities, world rulers. You know, it has to do with the religious aspect, the spiritual aspect of it. But the physical Babylon has to do with the world system which the Antichrist will rule over. And you're living in a time, and I'm telling you, you need to learn about these end times. You need to learn about it on your own because you're living in a time nobody else has ever lived in and nobody else ever will. You're living in the last days. And you understand that Christ's coming is so near. I don't believe that we have 50 more years. This is just my opinion. I could be wrong. But I don't believe we have 50 more years. I believe Christ will probably return in your lifetime. And you need to understand what the Bible says that you're going to face in the last days. You need to understand Bible prophecy. And in a time whenever we need to hear Bible prophecy preached more than ever, and how to be ready for Christ's coming, how to, how to face these things, you're not hearing anybody preach on it very much. Satan is trying to intimidate preachers out there from speaking up. And one of the things I've said before is this. You know, when you're not a hireling, when you're not in it for money, and you're not in it to make people happy, you'll preach the truth. The reason why a lot of people won't speak things that they ought to speak and they, they shy back is because they have ulterior motives. There's idols in their life. Amen. And I'm a preacher talking about preachers, and I have a right to say that, and that's why they do it. They shy back because they're intimidated. All right. So we're talking about the Babylonian system. Revelation 17 and 18. The Bible talks about the whore or the prostitute that sits on the beast. I'm going to read some of this. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to explain it to you. 
And then I'm going to get into what I want to get into. Because let me tell you something. When Jesus comes, we've got to be separate from this world. There's people that are all entangled up in the world. Do you realize how many people are going to sit there with this dumbfounded look on their face of total shock that the rapture happened all around them and here they are still here? There's people that are going to be blown away whenever Jesus comes that the truth of who he is, the truth of his kingdom, the truth of his word, and the fact that they've made their own rules. They've made their own rules, they've ignored the Bible, and they're going to be blown away whenever they're confronted with truth. And their life has been full of deception. In a time when we need to be in church more than ever. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says, when you see the day approaching, come to church all the more. This is a time that we need to be gathering together in prayer. We need each other. We need each other praying for one another. You know, I feel your prayers. And I'm the pastor, but I tell you, I need a pastor praying for me. You need a pastor praying for you. We need each other. We need to be in God's presence. There's things that I get in my time with the Lord, just me and Him, that I can't get with you here. But there's things that I cannot get by myself that I can get with you. God has set this thing up to where we need a private life with Him, but we also we need each other and we need corporate worship. There's things that happen in church that won't happen anywhere else. And people have allowed themselves to get all tangled up. It's like a web. They've got all tangled up with the world and with worldliness. And their lives are in so much bondage and they don't even know it. The, fun, the scary, it's not funny, the scary thing about it is, is that most people that are in the darkest bondage don't even know it. They're clueless. Alright, I need to get into this. So talking about Babylon. Okay, this is going to be a little deep. I encourage you guys to stay with the series. You'll learn a lot. But some of this I talked about last week. I'm building on it and I'm going to keep building on this as we go. I'm going to help you understand end time prophecy and a lot of other things. But the woman that rides on the beast, some people see this as the Jezebel spirit and and riding the Ahab spirit. But it's also, there's more than one revelation. There's also the religious system and the secular system of Babylon. But let me read it to you. Revelation 17. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute, or it can be translated great whore or great harlot, who sits on many waters. Waters in Bible prophecy speak of large groups of people. So she sits over large groups of people. With her influence. With the kings of the earth commits adultery. In the Bible, adultery speaks of idolatry. So she's causing a lot of idolatry. And the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Verse 3, the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw the woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and seven heads and ten horns. Which I'll explain those as we go. The woman was dressed in purple, which is like a royalty thing, scarlet, and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was Mystery Babylon the Great. 
it's a mystery because nobody sees it. It takes the people of God to expose this stuff. Amen? Because when the Antichrist arises to power, you realize that the world is going to say, Oh, you Christians are a bunch of idiots. He's not the Antichrist. And he is the Antichrist. But Mystery Babylon, because it's a religious and it's a secular satanic system, that the Antichrist will rise to power and sit upon, sit like an authority position over. The mother of prostitutes, in other words, the mother of all idolatry, and the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony of Jesus. So this spirit, just like Jezebel's spirit of old, this spirit has a lot to do with the bloodshed, the martyrdom that's taking place all over the world in these last days. Right now as we live, our brothers and sisters in other countries are dying for the faith. There's people right now that are in prison. There's other people that, that are weeping the loss of their spouse or their child or their parent because they've been martyred for the faith. And the last days, I'm telling you, we're living in a time where you better know your God. You better be living holy. Because it's coming to America and it's coming to the West. And to some degree, there's a lot of persecution. But it will come to a place where there's going to be martyrdom all over the world. The governments of the world, the Bible says, will unite. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's going to be a one world government, a one world religion. It's going to be Antichrist, which means anti-Christian. Okay. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. And the angel said to me, why are you astonished? And I explained, I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast that she rides, which has the seven heads, which are seven world rulers. I talked about this. Remember, it's the seven world ruling spirits. And it symbolically speaks of the seven enemies of Israel. See, Satan, is, Satan has studied humanity for 6,000 years. Now, I don't want to get back on what I talked about last week. But Satan's kingdom has had a long time to study humanity. And they, in Satan's kingdom, how many knows demons and fallen angels don't die? So Satan's kingdom has been structured throughout centuries past. And Satan has seen what works. And at one time, Egypt ruled the world. There was a time Babylon ruled the world. There was a time Rome ruled the world. And Greece and these, these ancient spirits that ruled over these nations and all this, Satan is going to gather all that in to this end time Babylon. And utilize all of this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And there's been seven major um, nations that have persecuted Israel and it started with Egypt. Then it was Assyria, remember? Then Babylon. And then it went to... Um, after Babylon was the Medes and the Persians, then Greece, then after Greece, and you guys know a lot of this from Bible prophecy, after Greece was Rome, but then the last one is the end time revived Rome. The beast that you saw, well let me, get, I'm sorry I skipped this, it says the seven heads and the ten horns. The ten horns, whenever the Antichrist rises to power, there's going to be ten geographic areas that are going to be little principalities so to speak and there's going to be a, a ruler over them like a president a prime minister a king but there's also going to be a very powerful principality over it a fallen angel over it and there's going to be ten of those sections throughout the world that are going to pledge their allegiance to the antichrist that's what the bible says so you've got seven world ruling spirits but then you have ten principalities that is the beast that the woman is riding does this make sense? 
Verse 8, the beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. Don't you love the way the Bible says all that stuff? If you study it out, it's interesting, okay? But I understand when I read that, people are like, say it again. But it, this is the beast. It once was, now it's not, but it will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. It's talking about Babylon. Babylon once was, now it's not, when, at the time of this writing, but it will come up out of the abyss again and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now it's not, and yet it will come. I want my name written in God's book. And I believe it is. Amen? Alright, verse 9. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits. Now let me tell you, I'm just going to go through this and explain things as I go. Is that okay? Just be led by the Spirit. Right now, the religious Babylonian system that's in the works, I've talked about it with you guys, but there's a move, and there has been a move, to, and really the Catholic Church, the Pope is spearheading this, but there's a move right now to unite the religious systems of the world. And the Bible predicts this will happen. And you've got this weird, goofy stuff coming up, like um, Chrislam. If you haven't heard of that. I mean, who in their right mind 10 years ago would have thought that somebody would be goofy enough to try to blame Christianity and Islam? But, I mean, you, you have it all, and you've got churches that are, that are homosexual churches, you know, which would be obviously an abomination. And you've got churches that, that are whole line, mainline denominations that are ordaining homosexuality. You've got people that are trying to blend witchcraft and Christianity and all this weird stuff. This is a move of last-day deception. Jesus said about the last days, the first thing he said was, he said, make sure that nobody deceive you. And over and over when you read end time prophecy, you see there's great deception. Great deception. Jesus went on to say in Matthew 24, that deception would be so thick and so strong that even the elect of God could be deceived if that were possible. You know why it's not possible? Because God will give us the grace by His Holy Spirit to not be deceived. But it, deception will be so thick and so strong that it's going to deceive many people. And you see it even right now that there's a move where there's a united front to move all these different religions to come together. And this is going to form this, this woman that's riding the beast. That Jezebel spirit has a lot to do with this. But it's the woman, it's, it's a spiritual Babylon. It's a religious System that denies the true living God and denies Jesus Christ. There will be a counterfeit Christianity in there. Satan will make sure that there's somebody that says, oh, we're Christians. But yet they're okay with all the other religions being a way to God. How many knows Jesus is the only way to God. That's it. I don't care what anybody says. And the Bible is the only book of God. There's not another book. And right now, this Antichrist spirit in the earth is working very hard to undermine God's Word and try to make people doubt that the Bible is valid. It's trying to work hard to try to, to undermine what the Bible teaches and it's trying to get people to accept things the Bible says that you should reject. And reject things the Bible says you should accept. And you need to make sure that you know the Bible for yourself. 
And part of the problem is people are just lazy. That's part of the problem. They call themselves Christians. They don't go to church. They don't pray. They don't read the Bible. And they're prime candidates for deception. We've got to pray and know the Lord for ourselves and get around Christian people that can help us and, and read the Bible and study it for ourselves so we know it and know what it says. But one of the key things, I have family that, that came out of Catholicism. I know many of you do too. Some of you have come out of it yourself. And, um, you know, I know people that are Catholic. I don't have a problem with, with people. But the Catholic institution is a cult. And the Pope has been working very hard to do a lot of what I'm talking about right now. And I'm going to tell you, many Bible scholars believe, and I believe this, that this, this religious system of the end times will have a lot to do with the Catholic Church. Even when Martin Luther split off the Catholic Church and started the Protestant movement, the early reformers believed that this, what I'm talking about right here, the beast, that the woman and the beast that sat on the seven hills, they really believed that was the seven hills of Rome and it represented the Roman Catholic Church. They believed that back then. See, what's going to happen is, is that the Catholic Church is the only cult that has ever had world power. You realize that? Islam wants it, but they've never had it. The only cult that has ever denied the things of God and, and yet at the same time had world power has been the Catholic Church. They put an emphasis off of, during, during the Dark Ages, I'm sharing all this for a reason. During the Dark Ages... They got the focus off of Jesus. They got the focus completely and totally off of salvation. And salvation to them was that you're right with the church. You're right with the Catholic church. And if the Catholic church said you're going to heaven, then you're going to heaven. And if the Catholic church said you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And during that time, people could buy indulgences. They could go to the Catholic church and they could pay money. And then because they gave them money, they could go out and sin. And it was sanctioned by the Catholic Church. They taught and believed, because they wanted that money, that you could pay money and buy your, your dead relatives out of hell. One of the problems of about a hundred problems, Martin Luther wrote like 95 of them down. Okay, but one of the problems with the Catholic Church is that they, they denied the, that the Bible... Listen, the Bible... You submit to what it says. I'm sharing all this because this is a lot bigger than the Catholic Church. This is a problem worldwide and it's something you need to know about. But you submit to what it says. You, you come under the authority of the Bible. You come under the authority of, of the apostles and prophets that wrote this. You understand what I'm saying? But see, the Catholic Church began to set themselves above the Word of God. And they, would, they believed that the leadership of the Catholic Church could change doctrine. And that's where you get this weird stuff that happened in the Middle Ages where they believe that Mary is basically deified, that you can worship and pray to Mary. That came from people that felt that they were superior to the Bible and that they could change doctrine. And right now, all over the world, you're seeing people that feel like they're superior to the Bible, they're judging the Bible, they're looking down on it, and they feel like that they can change what the Bible says. You know, give me your best ear, this is important. They feel like that they can alter it. 
There's denominations, there's movements. And the Catholic Church had gotten so far away from Jesus Christ, they, they, they would use fear tactics, and I'm sharing all this for a reason, they would use to, uh, tactics to basically make you feel like we have the power to send you to hell. And not only that, they would use fear tactics of if you don't submit to us, then they would kill you. They would burn, they burn people alive, publicly, if you were a heretic. And some, they, they had kings and rulers that were afraid of them because if the church, Catholic church at that time, excommunicated them and called them a heretic, it would ruin their, politi their political stance, you know, their status. And there's still a, a really strong spirit there of deception with that cult. Because still to this day, it has the masses of the world deceived into thinking that it's Christianity. True Christianity is found in Jesus Christ, not an institution. And it's scary because the, right now, and this is stuff that the Pope is doing, but he's doing it publicly and doesn't have a problem with it. It's, it's something coming out of the Vatican on video. It's there, the Pope is publicizing this. But he is going to these other religions like the Buddhist, and he's participating in Buddhist rituals with them. And it's on video. He's going to the Hindus, and he's participating in Hindu rituals. You know, the, they have video of him burning the smudge pot, which is a, a Native American satanic ritual. But he's participating in all these other religions. And he has a lot to do with spearheading the, the temple in Jerusalem being rebuilt. And there's a weird thing going on with this right now. Is this okay? I'm just sharing this stuff. I feel led. There's a weird move going on right now. See, when Jesus comes, he's coming back to the temple. And so Satan tried his best to destroy the Jewish people through the Holocaust. Didn't work. Then he tried his best to destroy once God regathered them. Then he tried his best to destroy the nation of Israel. That didn't work. And so then he tried his best to attack Jerusalem, which is kind of where we're at. But he's also going to move now toward the Temple Mount. Because that's where Jesus is coming. But right now the Pope and others, there's, there's this weird move to try to rebuild a temple, and they're calling it a house of prayer for all nations. But what it is, it's all religions coming together. See, when Jesus talked about the church being a house of prayer for all nations, he's talking about the church being a house of prayer for all ethnic groups, not all religions. Did you hear what I said? And so you're going to see this revived Rome. In a spiritual sense, it's called spiritual Babylon. And it's going to be a religious thing that unites all the religions. Because right now, there's a move to try to make people feel like, okay, you know, there's many roads to God. You can get to God through many ways, different holy books and all this. And it's trying to make people feel like whatever little path they choose, whether it's Hinduism or Buddhism or Taoism or Shintoism or whatever it is, whatever religion they choose, that they're still going to be able to end up in the same place. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's one way to God. 
And that's through the shed blood of Jesus, and that's it. That's right. But this is spiritual Babylon. And this woman that's riding this beast, it's spiritual Babylon riding this political structure. See, what you've got to understand is this. We're living in a time, I'm going to go back here in a minute and cover some things, but we're living in a time right now where Satan is working very diligently and he's tying people up to this world system. They're in bondage to Babylon in so many ways. For example, the entertainment industry. Jezebel has a throne over the entertainment industry. And people, so-called Christians, have absolutely no problem watching and listening to the entertainment of this world. And it's pushing things that Jesus hates with all of his heart and he died for. He died so that you could be set free from these things. And people are watching this and listening to this and they don't realize it, but they're literally, it's like tentacles that are going out. They're literally getting wrapped up with a web of the world through entertainment. The entertainment industry overall pushes sexual perversions, seduction, people taking their clothes off, violence. It promotes the occult. It promotes rebellion. There's a promotion with satanic music, satanic movies, the occult, even children. Satan's targeting our kids through witchcraft. And see, people, people are foolish enough. It's sad. I, I'm, from, I'm in the pulpit, so I'm not going to use mean words. But people are, people are goofy. They, they use no common sense. They sit there and watch that the Bible clearly says that's an abomination. They watch it and let their kids watch it. And then they wonder why there's a rebellious spirit. Why, why their home is like it is. Why their relationships like it is. Why their health or finance or whatever it is. They wonder because the enemy is able to come right in. Then you've got banking and big business in the economy. There's a meltdown globally of the, e the economies of the world. And it's setting stage for a cashless society. Which one day will require the mark of the beast to buy and sell, which the Bible clearly says. And so right now you're seeing the economy of the world is having a meltdown financially. And it's setting the stage for a one world currency. The global military is gearing up for world conflict to destroy, try to destroy Israel. It won't be able to to kill Christians and, the, and to promote the rise of the Antichrist. In the end, the global militaries will play a key role in killing Jews and Christians, burning Bibles and blowing up churches. It will be used to martyr many believers. I'm talking about Babylon. You guys want to be free? The medical field promotes abortion, promotes occult Healing has a lot of atheism. There's definitely an antichrist spirit over it. The judicial system is full of injustice and worldliness and greed and the love of money. There's an honoring of a man-made constitution over the Bible. The governments of the world are passing laws that cause sin and promote abortion, promote homosexuality, allow Satanism. 
leave it to the governments of the world to take, try to take the Bible out of um, school and try to take the Bible out of the prisons but allow Satanism in. <laughs> you know, common sense. Even in schools now, you have, even in the elementary schools, the schools promoting witchcraft with Harry Potter and different things like that. Which is allowing demons in our kids. Schools and colleges will tolerate anything but God. Amen. It has an, only anti, uh, I'm sorry, an ungodly agenda that's anti-Christ in the educational system. It's full of humanism. Right now in the education, as far as colleges and universities, most professors are very anti-Christ. And will treat a student that's a Christian like an idiot and fail him. And I know what I'm talking about. The economies of the world are melting down. The religions of the world. The religions of the world are beginning to set stage for this one world religion. I believe that entertainment is so evil that God's true people will begin to move away from a lot of the world's entertainment altogether. But, his, but people that aren't his true people, that are tares among the wheat, won't. But how are we going to get free from this Babylonian system? How many knows we're in the world, but we're not of it? And so I encourage you to please hear what I'm saying, that this Babylonian system that Satan rules over, okay, is something that you need to take stock in how much of this has influence over your life. I want you to think about what I'm about to say to you, because some of this is probably going to blow your mind when I tell you. But first off, this is pretty basic, but the financial system of the world is under the influence of Satan's king kingdom, and it's called a spirit of mammon. Now, when you get finances and you tithe, like you're supposed to, the first fruits, what it does, it, it breaks the power of that mammon off your money. Y'all remember that? But there's a spirit there. And so... The economies of the world are under the influence of this Babylonian system. So let me encourage you to do everything you can to stay free from this system financially. Do your best to try to stay out of debt. Be careful with stocks and bonds in different areas that you're putting your money. Be careful. Because there are ties that can bind your finances into this Babylonian system. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? Be careful when it comes to your health and it comes to medical science. A lot of people don't know this, but even the insignia of the pole with the serpent and the wings is an occult symbol. It's the rod of Asclepius, which was a Greek god. And it's interesting because some people won't believe this till you look it up for yourself, so go Google it. But whenever you look at the Hippocratic Oath, listen, when you look at the Hippocratic Oath, doctors are oathing to Apollo, which is a demon god out of Greek mythology. And then it's no accident that in Greek mythology, Apollo's son is this Asclepius, and his rod is supposed to bring you healing. Isn't it interesting that in the New Testament, that the word sorcery is in the Greek pharmakeia, where we get the word pharmacy? And you see over and over, you see people that are in total bondage to drugs. They're in total bondage to the medical system. It controls their life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And we've got to break out of this. Now I'm going to tell you how here in a moment. I already talked about entertainment is a web. It sucks a lot of people in. Because they don't want to, they have idols. Let me tell you something. Any idol in your life will destroy you. And it will be a place that the devil can reach right in. And he can latch hold of that. And he has control there. You have got to let every idol go. The reason why people won't let things go in Christianity is because they have an idol there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They don't want to let go of it. God tries to deal with them. Another thing you need to be careful about is relationships. There's, there's a, and I'm going to say with everything in me, this stupid doctrine right now. That's teaching people to hang out with sinners that's going to pull them down and suck them right into hell. The Bible clearly shows that Jesus, who did Jesus spend his time with? He spent his time with his apostles. He would go visit somebody and minister to him, but he spent his time hanging out with the apostles. Who are you supposed to really be spending your time with? Other Christians. Yes, we go out winning souls, but whenever people are trying to date a non-Christian to get them saved, that's stupid. People are trying to hang out all the time in the bars with friends and call themselves Christians. I'm just telling you, it's stupid. It's a bad idea and it will suck you down. But you need to be careful with relationships and unholy alliances. I've always used the example, especially years ago when I was youth pastoring, of having some kids stand on a chair and try to pick somebody up and you can't do it but as soon as the person starts pulling them down they fall right out of the chair it's very difficult to pick people up where you are spiritually but it's easy for them to try to pull you down but there's people that have unholy alliances they have relationships that they need to get out of their life it's a thorn and it's something that has wrapped them up in the Babylonian system it could be friends they need to get rid of it could be a girlfriend or boyfriend they need to get rid of but a lot of times, listen to me, it's bigger than that. You better be careful with what you're yoking yourself with because there's whole denominations right now that are moving away from true Christianity. There's denominations right now that ordain homosexuals and condone things the Bible calls an abomination. And it's coming from the headship. It's not like it's one church. It's coming from the headship. And when people are going to those churches, do you understand that you're yoking yourself with that? Do you understand that whenever a leader over a denomination makes a decision like that, let's just say homosexuality, let's talk about that. They make a decision that we're going to sanction this. We're going to allow preachers to pastor churches that are gay. Okay, They make these decisions. And they make that, they put it in writing, and they stamp it. It's done. Do you realize that it right then at that moment has loosed very powerful perverted spirits into that denomination? Do you realize that whenever the leadership is saying that abortion is okay, and they allow people in their, their denomination or circles to murder babies and shed innocent blood, that as soon as they put that in writing and they stamp it, spirits of murder are being loosed into that denomination. You better be careful what you're associating with, because there's a yoke that can come around your neck that's straight from hell, and there's things that can come right into your life that's straight from hell. You better be careful with institutions. Different things that you're connecting yourself with. Be wise. Be careful. 
I've already talked about education becoming so antichrist, and it grieves me because if the churches were really seeing a move of God, it would be easier for a lot of people as they go to college. But they're growing up in a dead church, and then they go to college, and they've never seen the power of God, they've never experienced the power of God, and then they got some some antichrist teacher up there blasting their faith, and then they fall away. Listen, Paul said, I don't come with eloquent words, but I come in the power of the Holy Ghost so that your faith will rest in God and not man. There's things in my life that I've encountered with God that nobody can tell me any different. Somebody sit there and tell me God's not real. I don't care what they say. I know he's real. They can tell me Jesus wasn't who he said he was. They can argue with me about the Bible. I know him. I have a relationship with him. I spend time with him. I know his voice. I know his presence. And I have seen him with my eyes. I have seen dead people come to life. I have seen with my eyes. I have seen arms and legs grow out. I have seen demons come out of people. I've seen the power of God. I've seen miracles. In the name of Jesus, I've seen these things. And they can say whatever they want to say. I know in whom I believe. Well, this is all right preaching. But we're going to have to separate ourselves from the world. Listen to me. I'm going to scoot back up real quick. I was going to read more of this, but I'm just going to zip through it. But you know what? The first part, when it talks about Revelation, in Revelation 17, it talks about fallen Babylon. It talks about this whore that was riding the beast. That is this end-time religious system that Satan's going to rule over. But it's going to come crashing down. But then it goes into Revelation chapter 18, and it talks about the destruction of a city. And this is secular Babylon. Do you understand that there's going to be a place that the Antichrist rules the world from? There's going to be a city. And the Bible calls that like this Babylon city, you know. But it's not just a city. It's the ten different nations. It's, It's the seven world powers, all of that. But there's going to be a place where the Antichrist rules from. And in one day, that thing's going to get blasted. And um, you know, Dr. Cho thinks there'll be a nuclear bomb. Who knows? But it's going to get blasted. And it's going to fall. And when it does, both, both the religious system and the secular system of Satan are going to come down. See, the religious system is going to come down because, see, the Antichrist is going to use this united world religion... To promote peace and harmony and love and tolerance, you know, like he does. And he's going to be a charismatic fellow. I'm assuming the Antichrist will probably be very good looking and very charismatic. And he's going to have an awesome power from Satan, let me tell you, to deceive people. But whenever he comes, he's going to be writing the first three and a half years of the tribulation, he's going to be using that unified religion, world peace, world tolerance. Let's just, just all love each other, hold hands. And sing Kumbaya around the campfire of life. And just he's going to go on and on with that. But about three and a half years into the tribulation, he's going to change. And he's going to set up an image and he's going to, de- he's going to demand that people worship him and worship his image. And he's going to do it, have the nerve to do it in the temple in Jerusalem. And you and I both know how well the Jewish people are going to take that. <laughs> And they're going to revolt. 
And I'm not going to go into all the stuff about them fleeing and, and going to, to a place God protects them. I'm not going to get all distracted from that. But the, the one world religion is going to come crashing down because now he used that to get this political power base and to rule the world. But now he's going to turn on that and destroy that and he's going to set himself up as God. And so the last three and a half years of the tribulation, it's going to be required that you worship him. And if you don't, it'll cost you your life. And interesting enough, during that time, you know what God's going to do in response? He's going to send these two witnesses. I want to see that. I really believe I'm going to be at the marriage supper. But how many knows Jesus can get a flat screen TV and he can put it up there? Amen. I want to see these two witnesses. And listen, the whole thing is, while, while this is going on on the earth, and these two witnesses, they're going to be there in Jerusalem, and they're going to be prophesying against what's going on. And listen to this. If people oppose them, fire is going to come out of their mouth and burn them. <laughs> that, sounds like the end, that sounds like stuff that happened back in the Old Testament. And people wonder if it's going to be Moses and Elijah, or if it's going to be Enoch and Elijah. I, I don't know. I'm just excited, you know. I, I heard Rick Joyner say one time, he said, you know, people say I'm prideful because I'm a prophet or whatever. He said, no. He said, I believe I'm going to be one of the two witnesses, okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it could be Rick Joyner and Moses, all right? You know? I think, I think hey, listen, I think it's going to be Enoch and Elijah because they didn't die. That's why. But anyway. All right, so this system... This system of Satan's kingdom is called three things. I'm going to give you this. We're going to move on. It's called Babylon, but it's also called revised Greece. And then the third thing is called is the revived Roman Empire. Babylon, for the reasons I've already told you, revised Greece. Many people believe the same ancient spirit that helped Alexander the Great conquer the world in a record amount of time is going to come back up and is going to empower the Antichrist to conquer the world in a short amount of time. And so they call this like a revised Greece. And then it also has a lot to do with the, the Greek culture. See, Alexander the Great in some ways is a good example of looking at what the Antichrist will be. Alexander the Great in history was a very young man. But listen, his father was a very powerful general in the, in, as far as war. And he was a, he was a powerful military man. His mother was a witch. She practiced witchcraft. And so what he would do is, he learned from his mom the dark arts, but he learned from his dad about war. And here's what he would do. And this is historic. Google it, look it up. He would go and he would get his men together and they would offer some kind of sacrifice. And, and this was a very satanic ritual, but they would try to conjure up, listen, they called it the dead warriors of times past, but it was really demons, okay? Because when you die, you go to heaven or hell, that's it. You don't go help somebody in war somewhere. Okay? So he would conjure up. And what happened was he was using the dark arts to pull in demonic power to help him. But then he also used the strategies of his father in war. And he combined military power with the dark arts. And he conquered the world in a record time. Which is a perfect example of what the Antichrist will do. And this is what it says in Revelation chapter 18. So 17, you see the religious system come down. Then the Antichrist sets himself up as God Almighty. 
And then you see his city get burned in Revelation 18. But listen to what it says in verse 4. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins and receive any of her plagues. Everybody say that. Come out of her, my people. One more time. Come out of her, my people. Listen, that's the message tonight. We've got to start getting out of this system. I'm not just talking about the financial, the medical, and all that stuff. I'm talking about living a righteous life. We're here, we're in it, but we're not of the world. See, in these last days, what's going to happen is the Bible says in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 60, about gross darkness. What's going to happen is the darkness of the world is going to get darker and darker and darker, and it's going to be a thick darkness, palatable. But, you know, I've said this many times, but just like during the daytime, the stars are still there. You just don't see them. The darker it gets, the more pronounced the stars are. And what's going to happen is Christians and churches that are real are going to start shining brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter as the world gets darker and darker and darker. And there's going to be an increased distinction. And there's no game playing with hypocrites. Jesus does not play hypocritical games. You will serve either him or the devil. There won't be any in between. He will require that we either fall in love with him and sell out completely or we go with this antichrist system. But there will not be any middle road. And not only that, the pressures of the day will demand it. When the antichrist rises to power, he will demand it. So there's no more playing games. These days are over. So here's some things I'm going to start closing with. Before I do, is it okay? You guys want to hear how Babylon fell? It's supernatural. Before I do that, I, I love this. See, I wasn't going to read this, but I thought, you know, here I'm talking about Babylon, the religious system falling, and then, and then the secular system falling, and it's so negative. But you know what? It goes from Revelation 17, 18, then it gets to 19. You know what 19 says? After Babylon has fallen, has fallen, both of them, it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. This is Jesus. He is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and tread the winepress of his fury, the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh are written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I wanted to leave that on a positive note there. So after Babylon's fallen, Jesus has come and taken over. Alright, so this is how ancient Babylon was defeated. Back whenever Israel went captive. So Israel got idolatrous, okay? They would not repent. There was the northern Israel, then there was Judah. They would not repent. So God allowed Assyria to come in and take Israel captive. Then Judah, God still had Judah, he had his remnant, that was David's descendants, and they wouldn't repent. Judah ended up going into captivity to Babylon. You guys remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar? You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You remember Daniel and the lion's den? All this happened while they were captive to Babylon, and there they were. And Daniel was such a mighty man of God. He, 
He was alive during Nebuchadnezzar's day all the way to Cyrus the whole time. He was in a position of influence with every king. It's amazing. But while they were there 70 years in Babylon, Jeremiah the prophet had written that they would be there 70 years and get out. Daniel was reading the Bible. We need to do that. Okay? Daniel was reading Jeremiah's scrolls and he saw that we were, they were only supposed to be in Babylon 70 years and he began to really pray. Daniel chapter 9. And as he prayed, God began to move on the heart of King Cyrus. So it went from Babylon to Medes and the, the Medes took over. Well, I'm about to explain all that. But anyway, Daniel was praying. He was crying out to God and God moved on the heart of um, King Cyrus to let him go. But before they were gone, before they got, came out, there was a time that Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians during the 70 years. And here's how it happened. Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, or great-grandson, I can't remember, was not a very intelligent man. And he was drunk one night and thought, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to party. Let's go get the utensils out of the treasury of the old Jewish tabernacle, the gold utensils and the goblets and everything that they used in tabernacle and temple worship, and let's get drunk with those and party with those. How many knows that's not very intelligent? Not bright. And so, while they're sitting here doing this, this is, this is funny to me. While they're sitting here doing this, okay, there's a hand that appears in the room. A hand that appears in the room. <laughs> you know, man, that would freak anybody out. So this guy's creeped out. It says in the Bible his knees were knocking together, okay? So he was scared. And it wrote on the wall this little phrase, and they couldn't understand it. And so they asked Daniel to come in. He's an old guy now. And he comes in and he tells them, this is what it means. <laughs> you messed up, king. You messed up big time. It says you were weighed in the balance and found wanting. And that God's about to take the kingdom from you. And so in comes the Medes and the Persians. But let me read you this. This is amazing. When the Persian army came upon ancient Babylon in the night, they were astonished to see that the river Euphrates had dried up. The Persian soldiers anticipated a great battle still to be underway shortly. As they approached the city gates of bronze and iron, they found the main gate torn to pieces. So who dried up the river and who tore up the gate? It looked like a huge hand had ripped the gate off its hinges. Truly the Lord had gone before these men to dry up the waters and to destroy the gates of bronze. There was no military resistance from Babylon because they had been celebrating a religious holiday and were all drunk and asleep. It's going to be similar in these last days. I mean, no, Satan's kingdom always underestimates, you know. So let me close with this. The Bible says, come out of her, my people. I used to preach a sermon called Six, Six Sins to Ensure Yourself a Place in Hell. Okay? <laughs> I had a pretty good altar response every time I preached this, by the way. But it's based on 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Galatians 5, 19, and Revelation 21, 8. But this is things that the Bible says that God hates. And people that live in these and are unrepentant will not be in heaven when they die. The first one is the occult. Occult involvement that deals with idolatry and witchcraft of any kind at all. The second one is sexual sins. Sexual sins is anything that is... God sanctions a husband and wife in marriage. That's it. Anything else is sexual sins in the Bible. Including looking with lust. Jesus said it's adultery. 
liars. Revelation 21.8 says all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. And that includes dishonesty. God wants us to repent. Be honest. Amen? Drunkards. These are people that, that you know are getting drunk, getting high, substance abusers. Covetous people. And then murderers. And under murder, you can include abortion and you can include hatred because Jesus said hatred is the same as murder. Skip down. And I'm going to close with this. Listen. The Bible says there's going to have to be a great separation in these last days between God's people and the people of the world. But 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says there will be a great falling away. You understand that there's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be people that walked with Christ and then turned their back on Him. They used to be a Christian. Now they're a witch. They used to be a Christian. Now they're an atheist. They used to be a Christian. Now they're gay. Whatever. They've turned their back on Him. 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. That day will not come until the rebellion occurs. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's the Antichrist. The man doomed to destruction. But the rebellion, that it can be translated a falling away. In the Greek, it's apostasia. But you're going to see people fall away from the faith. And I want you to make sure that you don't. Another one, Matthew 24.44. We've got to be ready for the rapture. Jesus taught us, that you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect Him. And that's really what I want to close with. I'm going to give people a chance to make sure that you're living right. Because listen, when you accept Jesus Christ and you're born again, if somebody really truly is born again, a lot of people think they are and they're not. If somebody is truly, truly born again, the Bible says... The old things pass away and everything becomes new. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you tithe doesn't mean you're saved. Somebody can go to hell with a communion wafer in their mouth. They can go to hell holding a Bible. They can go to hell wearing a choir robe. That doesn't save you. That's religion. What saves you is truly being born again. If somebody truly is born again, then... They will be a completely different person. You're different. Now, some people come to Christ for different reasons that, you know, they, they just want their life to get better or whatever. They want different things. They, they want the promises of God. They want the blessings. They want this stuff. But let me tell you, unless a man is born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And to be born again means that Christ's DNA comes in you and you are a different person. You cannot continue to live in sin. First John talks about this. You cannot continue to live in sin because God's seed is in you. You're different. You can't continue that anymore. The Holy Spirit won't let you. And you don't want to. I think there's a lot of people that just basically are not born again. They're not really God's people, but they think they are. They're religious. And that, that's what concerns me. Because there's been some really weird teaching out there. Some of it says, you know, come down and say some little prayer. And that's, that's your little get out of hell card, man. You know? You can flash that on judgment day. And that's what they really believe. Listen. That does not save you. I'm joking around about it. But listen, man, let me tell you that that, that will not save you. 
There's going to be people in hell that, that listen to me, they're going to hate with all their heart. They're going to hate the preacher that told them that they were going to be in heaven. They're going to hate the people around them that told them, oh, you're okay. They're going to hate them. Denominations. Whatever label you wear, it's either going to burn off when you go down or it's going to fall off when you go up. But it's not going to go with you into eternity. You can't say, well, I was a member of River of Life. That's not going to get you in. The only thing that's going to get you in is the blood of Jesus. That's it. And somebody that's really born again is really real. They will be different. And they, they will love the things of God and they'll hate the things of the devil. Their desires will change. There's a story about a woman that um, she went to prison. I've told you guys this. And she was convicted of crimes. Her DNA matched. She got saved in, Christ, in, in prison and became a true Christian. It's a true story. And they went to match her DNA with other crime scenes, which she was guilty. But her DNA didn't match anymore. See, when Jesus comes in you, you really are a new creature. It's real. I mean, you're different. You'll, you'll even look different. There's, there's a difference. There's a glow about you. And, and people will know. Here's the thing. If you've got to convince somebody you're a Christian, probably not. If you can hang out with non-Christians all the time and be buddy-buddy, listen, the people of the world don't like real Christians. Jesus said that. He said they hated me and they'll hate you too. I'm just trying to help you. You know, a doctor will go in, somebody will go in there with a problem, and the doctor will start poking, you know. And all of a sudden, it's like, ow! And it's like, oh, well, there's the problem. See, I'm just poking right now. Just trying to help you find the problem. Some people, the problem is they're not saved. They want God's blessing. They want things to be different. Listen, don't come to Jesus just because you have some ulterior motive. You come to Jesus for this motive. You understand that you are a sinner and you're guilty. And if you die in your sin, you'll be in hell. That's why you come to Him. Because He is your salvation. That's your motive. You understand that if I'll turn away from my sin and I'll put my faith in Him, I'll be born again and I can be in covenant with God. That's why I'm coming to Him. I'm not coming to Him because I want money, because I want a house, because I want things because I want new cars because I want this because I want a good life listen a true Christian life is difficult but it's wonderful at the same time but it is difficult you face persecution you face satanic attack and you know it's not an easy life but in the end you'll be with him in glory you'll be in heaven and that's the only way So understand that, okay? I'm going to tell you, I, I feel this tonight. There's people that may be watching online or maybe you're going to hear this or whatever. But you know, I hear that said all the time about judging. You know, Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. There's a difference between being judgmental in a mean way and being a fruit inspector. Because when you look at people's fruit, you can tell... If they're a Christian or if they're not. Y'all hear what I'm saying? 
Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. You're not going to pick an apple off of a thorn bush. And so if people's life is a life of sin, hypocrisy, compromise, whatever, I mean, they're not saved. But if they're, if they're born again, you will see the result. I hear people all the time say, oh, so-and-so got saved. I'm like, yeah, that's wonderful, you know. I hope so. But until I see fruit, I'm not really excited. But I loved whenever I saw, for example, I remember Brian Welsh got saved. And, and I was like, okay, you know, you hear all the time these celebrities. It's like, great, man, I hope so. Praise God, I hope so. Some of them, it wasn't real. Because they're not with Jesus now. See, if it's real, you're going to be real ten years from now. Amen? But I remember when, when Brian Welsh got saved and I saw his testimony, I thought, man, this guy is real. He's real. So that's what I want to close with. I want to give people a chance to really deal with this, man. And let me tell you something. Just everybody close your eyes for a second. I want you to focus on God. Let me just tell you this right now. You better not let, you know, a kid, a friend, a spouse, a parent, or anybody hold you back from Jesus. Really make sure that you are His. this is dealt with you man tonight I want you to be really sincere with the Lord because it's between you and him you know where you're going to spend eternity I always, I always heard you know my grandfather I remember one thing that you know, my dad told me he said he said I'd rather sit on a church pew and there be a few hypocrites here and there than I would to go to hell with all of them think about that But I don't, I don't want to, to be somebody that, you know, lived my life thinking that I was something I wasn't. As Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, that there'll be many people on that judgment day that say, Lord, Lord, we did all this stuff in your name. And Jesus is going to throw them into hell because they weren't really his. That's a scary thought. But Holy Spirit, I ask you, right now to draw people because this is serious this is you know heaven or hell and you know Bible says that no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit of God draw him. I ask you Holy Spirit to draw people and let true salvation come real it's the real deal true salvation come a true born-again experience Radical change. I want everybody to pray with me that really wants to be Jesus's. If you don't, don't pray. But if you really want to be born again and be Christ's disciple, forsaking your old life, denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him till the death, Radical, completely sold out. If that's you, I want you to pray this out loud with me. And if it's not, you don't. I want you to say this. Jesus, I know you're the Son of God. And my life has been sinful. It's been hypocritical. 
I know that I've sinned against you. I've hurt other people. I've broken the laws of God. And I know that I'm on my way to hell. Without you. But today, I want to be born again. So I believe in you, Jesus. You died for my sin. You nailed it to the cross. I believe you raised from the dead. And you defeated the devil. So let me be born again. Truly yours. Washed in the blood. Cleanse me. Forgive me. For all the sin. All the rebellion. All the idolatry. All the iniquity. That's been in my life. Wash me clean. Make me new. Set me free. So that I can live for you. Empower me. To live a righteous life. Give me a love for what you love. And a hatred for what you hate. Change my desires. Baptize me. In your Holy Spirit of fire. Fill me with your spirit. I give you my life. In Jesus name. Amen. So I'm going to pray in a moment for people. It's a holy, holy moment. I feel that. But I believe tonight God is going to help some people. That you've allowed things in your life. There's been things generationally that passed down your family bloodline or whatever. But there's some bondages. There's some things that have wrapped around your life. It's a yoke. It's something. There's something that's been there. As I'm talking, you may kind of feel uncomfortable and agitated because I'm about to confront that, whatever that is. But I want to pray with people to be free. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just pay for the penalty of sin. He paid that the power that sin has had over people can be broken. That people can be healed. They can be delivered from demonic bondage. People, people that have been addicted to things can be set free. People that have been tormented by a spirit can be set free. He paid for that with his blood. And so now I'm going to lead people in a, in a different prayer. But this is a prayer of freedom tonight. Renouncing some things and getting free. Okay? So everybody, if you would, just pray this with me. This is going to be different. 
So I want to see some things broken off your life. Wow, man, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit just like a wind come through here like that. Now, this is about to, about to set some people free tonight. Or just say this out loud to Jesus. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I forgive everyone that's ever wronged me or someone I love. Forgive me for any sin, rebellion, idolatry, iniquity that's been in my life or my ancestors. I put all this under the blood of Jesus. I repent of any pride, rebellion, resentment, revenge, envy, jealousy, strife, lust, sexual sins, witchcraft, idolatry, divination, sorcery, occult practices, satanic objects, criminal activity, dishonesty, fear, doubt, unbelief, alcohol, drugs, tobacco, pornography, all addictions, all bondages, any cutting, burning, or marking my body. I repent of suicide, shedding blood, hatred, murder, abortions, anger, or rage. I renounce any dedication to any false god, any unholy vow, oath, or ceremony, and every pact with the devil, whether I made it or my ancestors, I renounce it. And I ask you to sever every tie, any sexual ties, and set me free. Remove every yoke from my life. In Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. And I want to do one more thing. And I, I want to talk to you just for a moment. Then we're going to pray. You know, I understand about the conviction of the Holy Ghost. We need that. Did you know the Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance? That we need to be convicted for our sin. If you can sin and not feel convicted, I, I fear for you. Okay, we need that. We need that. But the, sometimes Satan goes way beyond that. And he starts trying to make people feel like a piece of trash. That's not God. The Holy Spirit will convict you. And he'll deal with you. But he never goes beyond that to making you feel like a piece of garbage. Or that you're worthless. Or make you feel hopeless. Or make you feel like you're unloved by God. That's not God. That's, that's the devil. Okay. And I feel tonight that there's some people... That specifically there's a spirit in the Bible called Belial. And it has to do with lawlessness. But it also has to do with worthlessness. Feeling, feeling like a worthless piece of garbage. And some people, you have not risen up to your full potential because of things that you deal with. With insecurities and feeling like. And listen, some of you have believed lies. How many knows the devil's a liar? And the devil will tell people. That, you know, God doesn't love you or God's not faithful to his word or whatever. He'll put all these thoughts and you cannot listen to that. 
If you listen to the lies of the devil and you agree with those lies, it yokes you to that. You have to renounce those lies. Are you hearing me? The devil's told some of you that you're worthless. He's told you you never amount to anything. He's tried to make you feel like that God has favorites and you're not one of them. And that, well, God will do it for so-and-so, but not you. That's a lie from the pit. God doesn't have favorites. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for the sins of the world. Everybody. And he shed his blood for everybody. He, he, he paid for healing for everybody. Deliverance for everybody. It's not a matter of, oh, well, you know, you can have it, but nobody else. It's not like that. It's like God laid it out there for whoever will come. But I really feel that. I feel that there's some people that have been held back and even tormented in your mind by a spirit that has made you feel like that. And maybe when you were growing up, somebody belittled you and tore you down. Let me tell you, one of the greatest ways that Satan attacks marriages is by trying to tear people down. There, there's wives that will belittle and tear their husband down, and the devil's using them because he's trying to use them to tear down their husband so that he doesn't have the confidence to lead their family. There's parents that will go beyond the normal and will tear down their kids. There's kids that will tear down their parents and make them feel like a piece of garbage. Man, that is not God. And there's husbands that will tear down their wife. But I'm just saying, don't... That, that is not of God. Okay? And men of God, we've got to rise up and start leading our families in the ways of God. And wives, pray for your husbands. Submit to their authority. Honor them. Honor them in front of their kids. Honor them in front of other people. Honor their authority over you. How many knows we need to honor one another? Amen? And build each other up. And let me tell you, this spirit tries to make people feel worthless, but sometimes it will use people to tear you down. Don't ever let somebody tear you down. Don't put up with it. Okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to pray about yokes and bondages and specifically about this tearing down stuff and this belittling and, and this feeling worthless. Alright, so one more time. This is a night of freedom. You guys okay with this? Because when we pray for people, the power of God's about to hit this place. I want you to pray this. Jesus, Jesus. forgive me for believing, for believing any lies of the enemy, any, lies of the enemy. any worldliness, any worldliness. Feeling, worthless. feeling worthless, insecure, insecure. In, any way, in any way, I repent. I, repent. I, put I put this under the blood. And right now, right now I destroy Every yoke of the enemy. Every lie. Every bondage. Every addiction. Any oppression. Or influence of the enemy. I break it off my life. What's been trying to make me feel. Worthless. Beat down. Hopeless. I renounce these things. I am not rejected, I am not rejected by, God. by God. I'm not abandoned. I'm not an orphan. I am God's child. I am God's child. And, he loves me. and He loves me. And I command the enemy, command the enemy to be bound, to be bound in, Jesus name, in Jesus' name to shut your mouth, to shut your mouth 
and leave my life right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you right now for freedom to break out. Holy Spirit, come in this place. We ask you to move in power and shift things right now. He said, I want to pray with people tonight. Whatever you've been going through, listen, <laughs> you know, I use the example when you go to the doctor. You don't go to the doctor just wanting them to, to tell you some false, false good news. Like here you are dying or whatever, and they're going to be like, hey, everything's okay, buddy. You know, <laughs> you don't go there for that. You go there so that they can tell you, hey, look, you know, there's an issue, okay? When you come to church tonight, the Holy Spirit said, I want to help you guys out a little bit. I want to show you where some issues are and help you, okay? And so this is, this is powerful tonight. But you know what? With these type of services, you know what's the result? Freedom. Amen. Freedom. When the Word of God is preached like this, you know what the result is? Freedom. People repent of their sin. They get right with God, and they're free. So I'm going to pray with people who want prayer tonight. If you've never been prayed for about, you know, anything of the devil breaking off your life, I'd encourage you to get prayer. And some of you that need a fresh touch tonight, and I feel the anointing strong. Some of you that weren't here last Saturday, I want to make sure and pray for you, because there's an impartation. But I want to pray for everybody that wants prayer, okay, to get free, to get free. Amen? Amen. So if y'all would stand with me, let's, let's just worship the Lord for a moment. He's here.